0: The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. Where do you turn when you don't feel like you have anywhere to turn? And what do you do personally when you feel like you just want to escape? I mean, the situation's kind of very difficult and um, you're not sure how to handle it or it feels like an impossible situation. You just wanna get away. I don't mean like embarrassing foot in your mouth kind of a situation. I mean, you're really in over your head and you just wanna, you need to kind of get away. You need to get out of the crisis or out of this situation. And I'm sure almost every one of you can relate because probably all of us at some point or another have, have difficult situations that we just want to escape from. We kind of just want to hit the eject button and get out of it. But then there are times when those moments become our life and suddenly we're living in an ongoing struggle with just wrestling with, I need to get out of this. I need to get away from this. I don't know what to do. And some of you, you feel like trapped inside of yourself and you're wrestling with like, I, I don't know how to get out of this. I, I mean, I can't get out of my own head. I, I can't get out of my own emotions. And uh, you know, most of you probably, if, if I were to just pause and say, what, what do you do when you just feel incredibly overwhelmed with life? And you probably have, a sequence of activity that you do. Maybe there's someone you call. Maybe that's why you're here right now. In a situation when you feel overwhelmed, you feel an over your head, you're gonna reach out to the church. Maybe you gather at, at, with the church. Maybe you, you try to connect with God. Maybe you spend time in prayer. Maybe you go to the Bible and you begin to read. Others of you, maybe you call a family member or a loved one. You have a, a classmate, somebody that you really know cares about you and you care about. Maybe you call somebody you're like, hey, can we grab coffee together? Maybe some of you, you're like me. When I get really overwhelmed, I go out for a jog or I go for a hike. I just get out of my routine and I get away from everything. And then I spend time, I, I spend time listening to the Bible. I spend time in prayer. But really, it's the physical activity that kind of helps me get away from from my crisis and allows me to think a little differently. But what do you do when the coping mechanisms you've used don't work? And now you feel trapped because you can't make it stop or go away. And nothing that used to work is working right now. And there's a lot of different reasons why people get to the point when they feel like they need to escape life itself. And I realize this is gonna be a tough topic. I feel like I've tackled some tough topics throughout this series. And to be honest with you, I I thought about changing this topic multiple times and just preaching about something else. And there's a lot of topics that we could say, let's talk about it. Um, And part of that is because, you know, in talking about this issue of suicidal tendencies and suicide, um, I realize that it hits every one of us very personally. You feel it right now. In fact, you're just kind of like waiting for this sermon to get over with, because you, you can feel it. It's, it. You remember being at the funeral. I remember leading the funeral. You were at the hospital. Me too. I've held the parents. We've counseled. I have felt that hopelessness that comes from standing there going, now what? Or the feeling of responding to someone who, you know, a child that maybe uh, attempted to take their life and a parent who's going, How did I not see this coming? Or, you know, a parent who's feeling, I feel so helpless. I I wanna help them, but I I don't know what to say or what to do. Every one of us have struggled with this. The truth is, at least statistically speaking, 90% of you know someone that took their life uh, or tried to take their life. And I would venture to guess, it probably is very, very close to 100%. This touches every one of us far too often. And in fact, just statistically speaking, um, it is the third, suicide is the third leading cause of death among young people between the ages of 15 and 24. 18 young people a day will take their life. And, and that might not sound like a huge number when you think about the size of our nation, but that adds up to about 100 young people a week. Uh, I, think that, I think that number uh, comes out to uh, over 6,500 young people a year. And, and just to put that in perspective, right, you think about the number of people that have lost their life to the coronavirus so far, and I'm not gonna go there like, I'm not gonna tell you like, whether it's a big deal or not a big deal. Um, I, I, but think about it. think about how much that's making the news, how panicked people are, politicians are talking about it. I mean, $8.3 billion is gonna be spent to deal with the crisis. And I think right now, there's like what, 12 people that have lost their life over the span of three months. In that same three month span, right, You gotta Think about like over a thousand young people have already taken their life, maybe more, no more than that. Probably uh, almost 2,000 young people have taken their life to suicide. A thousand young people a day will attempt suicide. But 3, uh, 365,000 young people a year will attempt to take their life. And I'm not saying we shouldn't be concerned about the coronavirus. What I am saying is like, this is something we gotta talk about. And I don't, to be honest, I don't wanna talk about it. I, I was literally praying for this moment going, God, I, I realize that in a 30 minute sermon, there's not enough I can say to, to give you the tools to, to deal with your own issues, let alone help someone else, right? Like, So I'm gonna try to touch it in a way that I can be a help. But understand that this is going to be a survey. This is—I'm I'm trying to give you some tools, and I am going to point you in right directions. But understand that you know, for every one of us, this hurts, and I know that in talking about this topic, there are parents here. You've lost a child. There are siblings. There are there, there's children that you lost a parent. There's students here, you lost a classmate, coworkers who who lost a friend. And I, I guess I would just start by saying, like, yeah, me too. Because you, know, you turn on the news and you see another celebrity that took their life, uh, another pastor that took their life. It's in our local news. And, and I know that those aren't just names, they're friends and kids, Your, our kids. A family member, a loved one. And, and I know that some of you are wrestling with those feelings of like, why didn't I, or how did I not see it? And you're blaming yourself and you're beating yourself up and you've carried these feelings. Some of you have carried these feelings for years. And it's, it's the last thing you think about at night. And it's one of the first things you think about when you wake up and you've carried it moment after moment. And I'm not going to attempt just to go, okay, I can make it all better. I can't. And I understand that it's really complicated. And I understand that there are, there are mental health professionals that are part of our church, that they're like, please don't say that, or please say this, I get that. And uh, I am going to, in this message, encourage you that if you're wrestling with this, or you know somebody who's wrestling with it, to seek additional help. Not just to listen to my sermon and go, okay, I got everything I need. Okay. And I get that there's complexities in why people wrestle with this. And so I was just kind of thinking of different scenarios that I've, I've walked people through or seen navigated, whether it's somebody who just got, they became hopeless because of maybe they got themselves into debt and then they lost their job and they, maybe they made some bad decisions. And then that dad who feels like, I can't get myself out of this life. I can't, I can't fix it. I can't pay the bills. We're, we're in bankruptcy. And then he's going, I can't give my family the life I want Wanted to give them. I've always dreamed of giving them. And he gets to the point when he goes, like, I think my family would be better off without me. And if they knew what I really was, or they knew what I had really done, and he starts to wrestle with his own thinking, or the or the young woman who's been abused from a very young age, who, who she has believed that she's worthless and she's believed that her life has no value and she's carried hidden pain and secret suffering for so long that she, she's got her thoughts running wild and, and that's even maybe metastasized into some, some mental health issues. And, and she's just stuck trapped in that pain and that suffering and she feels worthless and it begins to think in her mind, I, I want to get out of this pain or, or a, a, another person who may, maybe it's a, a woman who had gone on a date and she, did, she wanted to go on a date, but didn't expect to get raped. And then the pregnancy and then the abortion and then the guilt and the shame. And then that gets to the point where her thoughts just start running in dark directions and doesn't have anyone around that she can just share with and say, help. And here's what I know. Nearly every suicide and attempted suicide is a cry of help. And it's saying, "Someone's saying, I have no hope. And they don't necessarily think about it for months and months. Sometimes it's a, it's, a, it's a moment where they've lost hope. And because they don't know what to do or how to reach out for help, they make a decision that becomes their last decision. And this is tragic. And so here's where I wanna, I'm gonna take a turn and say, okay, well, what do we do with this? I want you first to know that God has not turned a blind eye. God is not ignoring our suffering. He's not ignoring this reality. In fact, if you were to read through sacred history as recorded in the Bible, right? So the Bible is an account of how God interacted with man throughout history for thousands of years. Here's what, here's what you're going to discover. That God did not leave out of sacred history the reality that there are people who've taken their lives. You can actually read through the Bible and you're going to see examples of people who took their life. You're also see people who struggle with wanting to take their life. People who even have a plan to take their life and others who just think about death and wanting to die. Some of them even pray, God, just kill me now. And the Bible does not exclude the reality that there are a lot of people struggling with despair, hopelessness, and depression. Not necessarily those things always go hand in hand but it doesn't leave that out. In fact, I wanna to read to you a few moments of, uh, or examples of individuals who just struggle with these, these thoughts and this, this point of work, they had no coping mechanisms that at least it seems. King David, one of the heroes of the Bible, he writes, uh, Psalm, he writes many of the Psalms, and in Psalm 42, verse five and six, he says, why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me, my soul? is downcast within me. Another author uh, actually uh, will we read Lamentations where the author's writing and he says, so I say, my splendor is gone and all that I'd hoped from the Lord. He goes, I've lost my hope in the Lord. I don't know where to turn. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I will remember them and my soul is downcast within me. And then another example uh, is this guy, Job, who lost everything and he's struggling and he gets lost in his thoughts and those thoughts are captured in the book of Job where he says this, when I lie down, I think, how long before I get up? The night drags on and I toss until dawn. My days are swifter than the weaver's shuttle and they come to an end without hope. And I'm reading this to you so you can at least recognize that God has not turned a blind eye. He didn't ignore David, he didn't ignore his son Solomon who wrote wrote some of these passages. um, I was was gonna say he wrote Lamentations, he did not. Um, But he wrote some, you know, he didn't ignore those that were in suffering, he didn't ignore Job. But here's what you see, that God responds to people in suffering. And what I want you to recognize is first this. How do we even recognize when we are in an unhealthy place or someone else is in an unhealthy place? And by the way, this is not exhaustive. I'm just kind of putting it out there, okay? First, the obvious one would be if your thoughts turn, not just dark, but where you are regularly contemplating uh, wanting to die, which 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 is a dark place. But I want you to know that just wanting to die is not the same as actually coming up with a plan to die, all right? So we're going to shift and go, if you're, if you're just like, you're seriously wrestling with this, or you know somebody who is like, they're just talking about wanting to die. They do need help. We, we need to get some support around them. But if somebody's contemplating a plan, it's become an emergency. As in, we need help now. If, if, they've, if they have the, If they have a plan and they have the means to follow through, we need help right now. And so we're gonna talk about that. If, if um, not just your thoughts, but your, your life has begun to make a major change, a person who can't, can't cope, right? They're not getting out of bed. They've significantly changed their diet. They no longer are interested in doing the things they were previously interested in. Um, grades are dramatically shifting. There's significant changes in weight, right? With, with that, those things don't necessarily mean someone is suicidal, okay? So don't jump to the end. It's a red flag, it's a concern. It's something we have to pay attention to. And so you should be paying attention to that. In your own life, or in someone that you love, if they're talking about hopelessness, about feeling worthless, their life has no value, Again, it's a cry for help. It's a flag, it's a concern. And of course, there are a lot of other things you could be listening for, but I just gave you some quick things. And so my challenge to you is this. This is, this is the key takeaway, and I'm actually gonna have you say some things with me today because I recognize that at each of our campuses, in Chambersburg, there are some of you that are wrestling with this. At our, at our, our Wilson campus, at our cinema campus, you're gonna be, there's some of you that are wrestling with this, and you have friends, you have loved ones that are wrestling with this. My My takeaway for you would be this. We're talking about this painful topic. And the key that I want you to take note of is this. There is always hope. In fact, I'm gonna ask you, every one of you, to say this with me. In fact, I'm hoping that you'll kind of say it loud. There is always hope. Go ahead. There is always hope. Those of you at Chambersburg, would you say it right now? Say, there is always hope. All right, at our cinemas, I want you to say, there is always hope. At our Wilson campus, would you say, loud, there is always hope. There is always hope. Okay, I want to I drill that into your mind. I want to get that in your heart. I want you to begin to believe this deeply. There is always hope. And there's help. In fact, this is going to be a tough one because i gotta turn, I got to turn a little bit here. There's a reason why we struggle with hope. Why we get trapped in our thinking, why we get trapped in our emotions, why um, people begin to succumb to believing that life has no value or that the only way out is to take their life. And I know that some people, when they turn to the church, what you're all scared of is that I'm going to say something that makes it worse. And so I'm going to, I want to be delicate in how I say this. The reason we lose hope is because we live in a broken world things are not as they should be. Can we all agree with that? Say, yeah, absolutely. Things are not as they should be. There is disease in the world. There is suffering in the world. There is depression in the world. There is debt. There is despair. There are, there are uh, dangerous things happening. There is death that overwhelms us. And so we look at the world we live in. We go, things are not as they should be. You want to know why things are not as they should be? Because the world is broken. And the reason it's broken is, yes, because there is evil in the world. And that evil is rooted in something that goes back to the beginning of the story of humanity where man and woman, they just turned their back on God. And this sin, this spiritual corruption got into them. And it it didn't just break them, it broke the whole world. So now, the reason I'm being delicate is this, because you could go, wait, are you saying that I'm sinning because I have these thoughts, or I have these thoughts because I'm sinning? No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. I am saying that those thoughts come from the fact that we live in a broken world. It's normal. Most of us are going to struggle with this, but it is the result of a spiritual brokenness that every one of us experience because of a sin that lives deep inside of every one of us. We, we live in a broken world, and because of the fact that we live in a broken world, we have sin in us, we turn our back on God and we do our own thing. And when we do our own thing, we experience guilt. We experience shame. We, we, we actually kind of help propel the ruin and the hurt in the world around us. And because of that sin that lives inside of every one of us, we go through life hurting and broken. And again, I'm not blaming you, please don't, because that just adds on to our struggle, but I am saying that we wrestle with this. But God was unwilling to leave you and I trapped in sin. He was unwilling to leave the world trapped in sin, headed toward a forever ruin, and so God, Stepped into our story. God stepped into your story. God stepped into the story of people that you love and are worried about. God intervened by becoming one of us. What was his mission? God steps in to rescue us. In fact, I'm going to bring you back to those passages. Each of those passages that I read, there's kind of this second part to it. In Job chapter 19, he writes this. So this is down the road, right? He's wrestling through these struggles and he gets to the point where he he writes and says this, I know that my redeemer lives. So after he wrestled through this, he had friends around him, they weren't such good friends, but Job is wrestling he comes to this place where he goes, I know my redeemer lives. And that in the end, he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, me after everything, after I lose everything, yet in my flesh, I know I will see my God. David wrote this in that very same passage, Psalm 42, verse five, he goes like this. Why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? And then he tells himself this, he goes, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my savior and my God. He was able to turn his focus off of what he was navigating through, and what he was feeling and what he was thinking. And he was able to go, wait, I got to put my hope in God. And then we're going to jump to uh, lamentations. The author says this, yet this I will call to mind. He goes, I have no hope. I've lost hope. And he goes, wait, this I'm going to bring to my attention. This I'm going to call to mind. And therefore I have hope because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. He goes, tomorrow morning, I'm going to wake up and God will be waiting for me. I read this to you because I realized that some of you need to hear this right now. Some of you need to be reminded of this and some of you are gonna to need to remember this tomorrow. There is always hope. This is what God did. God stepped into our brokenness, into our pain, into the suffering of death and despair. And he took the sin and the brokenness of the world on himself. The suffering that we deserve in eternity, he paid for in his own death. He absorbed our eternal death sentence. So that when Jesus died, he died once for all. So that anyone, anyone who believes in Jesus by faith, they're forgiven. Guilt and shame removed and given new life because Jesus not only died, he rose from the the dead. And that's a powerful statement, right? Especially when we're talking about this topic that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And I want you to hear this, that no matter what decision you make on earth, God gets the final say. There There is not a sin you can commit that will separate you from the love of God. There is not a decision you can make that can outdo the mercy and the love and the power of God. Because some of you, you need to hold on to this right now. Because you've got to take hold of the fact that God can intervene in the most hopeless situation. And even in split seconds, when someone's made their final decision, we don't know that that was their last decision. It might have been the most life-ending decision, but we don't know that that's how their story ended. And so what we do is in those moments, we trust God. We go, God, I know that you love us. In fact, I want to bring your attention to this. Here's what I want you to take hold of. There is always hope in Christ. I want you to put your hope in God, in Jesus Christ, who came to earth to rescue us I know that there are a lot of situations around you that feel hopeless, but I want you to know, there is always hope in Christ. He loves you, here's what I want you to know, that God loves you. He proved it through his death on a cross and in his resurrection, he offers his love freely to anyone, regardless of what you're walking through, regardless of the pain that you carry, regardless of the decisions you've made. Your decisions are not final and absolute. There is not a decision you make outside of refusing to believe in Jesus, right? Like God loves you. God is for you. He offers you hope. And when you believe in Jesus Christ by faith, he transforms everything about your life. And so here's what I want you to know. God loves you. God values you. He values you so much. He was willing to come and die and rise from the dead to rescue you and call you his own. He wanted to spend forever with you. That's how much God loves you. He, he, he came to die because he refused to spend eternity without you. So he came to rescue. And some of you young people, you've believed your life has no value or that you're worthless and you've allowed others what they've said to get into your mind and your heart. And I want you to know that God says you are worth dying for. He gave his life for you. He loves you. He created you. He designed you. Not only does God love you and value you, but God is good even when things are wrong around you. Don't let what's wrong in the world around you trick you into believing that God is not good. He is good and God is good to you and God is at work in your life which gives me my final challenge I want to give you when it comes to how we view God. Not only does God love you and value you, not only is God good, but God has a purpose for your life. designed you. He put you on this planet for a purpose and a reason. Your life is significant. I don't care what anyone has ever said to you. I don't care if someone told you that you're an accident or that your life has no meaning. God said your life has a meaning. You woke up this morning, which means God said he wanted you here in this moment. Your life has meaning. Your life is significant. Your life has purpose. You have value because God loves you and he put you here, which means this, your life has a future. You have a future in God. Here's here's what the author, Jeremiah, who also wrote that passage I read about lamentations, Jeremiah wrote this. He goes, referring to God, he's saying, God is speaking this to you. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for you to prosper and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. God's purpose for your life. God's not out to hurt you. Yes, you will be hurt in this broken world. But God is good. He is not about harming you. God's plan for you is to give you a hope and a future. You know, Jesus said, Jesus was speaking about this life and the life to come. And he said this, the thief the thief comes, the enemy of your life comes to steal, kill, and destroy you. I have come, Jesus said, that you may have life and have it to the full. I want you to choose to live life to the fullest, I want you to help others to make sure they choose to live life to the fullest. So here's what I want you: to do. I want you to commit to live life to the fullest. Look, you're not promised tomorrow, but don't you dare take tomorrow's away from you. Your friends are not promised tomorrow, but don't you dare let them take their own tomorrows away. You choose to commit, to live life to the fullest. So I want you to say this with me. Say, I will will live life life to the fullest. fullest. I'm going to have you say this next statement, and this is one I am begging you. You're you're making a commitment right now. I am asking you to promise. And if you've got kids that are not here, you have loved ones that are not here, number one, get them here. Get them out the LifeHouse. What better place than LifeHouse could they be? All right? But here's the thing. I want you, your parents, you're going, to make, you're going to make your kids say this. Colleagues, coworkers, classmates, you go to them and you say, I want you to make this promise to me. I will never take my own life. you say this. Ready? I will, I will never, never take, take my, own my own life. Look, sometimes you just have to make a promise. And then you stick with it. I will never take my own life. I don't care how dark it gets. I don't care how bad it gets. I don't care how difficult it gets. I don't care what's going on in my mind. My, I will never take my own life. All right, which is give me. I'm gonna give you a couple more challenges here. I've gotta bring this in for a landing. And I know them covering a lot, and I know I'm not covering enough. Let me give you another challenge. Recognize the difference between depression and sadness. Now, I understand there are plenty of you here that you're more, you more, have a more professional background in these issues than I do. That not everyone who's struggling with per- depression is going to struggle with suicidal tendencies, and not everyone who struggles with a suicidal tendency is necessarily depressed. But I'm trying to challenge you to get to some general understanding. So there is a difference between being sad and depressed. Sadness is a simple feeling that's gonna come and go. Difficult situations, suffering, pain, and you feel sad, it's okay. You're, Just because someone in your life is sad doesn't mean they're depressed and it doesn't mean they're suicidal. Allow people the room to struggle. Allow people room to be sad, it's okay, right? When we talk about depression, when we're talking, especially when we're talking about clinical depression, is dark thoughts that are disrupting your normal activity. As I said, you can't get out of bed. You're gaining a lot of weight or you're losing weight. You're no longer interested in things you were interested in before. It's significantly changing your daily activity. You're having a hard time focusing at work. You're having a hard time wanting to do the sports or the activities you were previously doing at school. And the reason I'm telling you this is because I want you to pay attention to yourself and others. Why does that matter? One, because I want you to understand that your feelings are not final. And even when your feelings go dark and it becomes a regular pattern of feelings, this is not final. Your feelings are not final, okay? But then there's another part of this that's not final. Whatever you're going through, this is what every adult wishes they could say to a young person. One of the things that scares us the most is that young people have a hard time grasping the fact that they will get through it. You will get through what you're struggling with. It might be hard. It might take a while. You will get through it. There are brighter days ahead. There is hope. What you're walking through is not final. And so what do I want you to do? I want you to recognize these tendencies in yourself. I want you to look for them in others. And then here's what I want you to do. I want you to open up to others. What do I mean by opening up to others? Well, I want you to recognize that you need a safe place. I, I, I hope. That within that Lifehouse has been that safe place for you, but some of you, you, you've come in and you're still not sure. Can I trust someone? Can I talk to someone? Yes, we're all broken people. What you're going through is unique to you, but you're not the only one that's going through it. You can open up. You can be honest. We're all even the leaders of Lifehouse. We're leaders who limp. We're not perfect people. You've got leaders on our team, pastors, who've struggled with these desires and these feelings of wanting to escape. You can open up. That's why we have life groups. You get plugged into a life group and you find someone you can trust and you open up to them. You find a friend who's a Christian and you open up to them. You come and talk to one of our pastors, one of our leaders. You, you come into a church experience where you can just find a safe place, but don't stop there, okay? I, I, I wanna say, I wanna give you a couple more challenges because I talked about the value of believing in Jesus by faith. And I wanted you to know, I am not trying to oversimplify our response and go, you just need to believe in Jesus. Here's what I know. I know that that is the most essential step and that is a first step, but it's not the only step. You need to open up to someone. You need to be honest with someone about what you're walking through. Some of you are going to need to seek a mental health professional. If you're, if you're navigating with this with someone and you're beginning to see red flags, you need to get them help, get them to a pastor, to a counselor, to a, to a counselor at school or in the workplace. You need to connect them with somebody who can actually help and has the professional training to provide the support that they need. That is important. I don't want you to try to do this on your own. If if you're seeing some serious red flags, things that I talked about, and you're going, wait, that's a concern. I want you to get them to someone who has the training to help in a crisis situation. Young people, don't just try to navigate this with your friend. Don't just think that you can do this on your own. You're gonna get them to an adult. One of the most heroic things you can do is, I don't care if they have confided in you and they've said, don't tell anyone. You know what that means when they tell you don't tell anyone? Go tell someone. I don't care if they're not going to be your best friend anymore. I don't care if they tell you they're going to hate you. You just saved their life. And if they hate you the rest of their life, at least you saved their life. Be heroic. You get them help, okay? All right. So I want to give you a couple of quick challenges, and then I'm going to bring this in for a landing. Look, one of the things you can do yourself is this. Listen. Listen. Be a safe place. Don't judge people. Someone starts opening up, you're gonna listen and be a safe place that they can share with you. Ask open-ended questions. Open-ended questions are questions like this. Tell me more. What's going on? Don't be afraid to ask hard questions. You see someone struggling, ask them, what's going on? What's going on in your life? Tell me more. I, I know this is hard for you to talk about. And then just be quiet and let them talk. Don't judge them, don't attack them, don't criticize them for what they're saying. If they're saying, I just have lost all my hope in God, that's okay, David dealt with that, and Jeremiah dealt with that, and Job dealt with that. Allow them to say it. Ask ask open-ended questions, listen attentively, and then help them get help. Bring them to a pastor to a counselor, to a friend, to a teacher, to, a, to someone that you know has the training that they can step in and help. If you don't know someone who has training, just bring them to an adult and ask them to help, okay? One of the most powerful things we can do is just care enough to be involved in each other's lives. That's what we need. We need real community. We need to be a real support to each other. So my challenge to you is this right now. As I've been speaking, someone came to mind Maybe it's you personally and you're gonna commit to living your life to the fullest and telling someone. You're gonna open up. So if that's where you're at right now, I want you to make a commitment. I will open up to someone. I will talk to someone about this. But if someone else came to your mind, I want you to make a commitment right now. You're gonna shoot them a text. You're gonna make a phone call, you're gonna stop by their house, you're gonna pull them aside, and you're gonna tell, I love you, I care about you, can we talk? Don't ignore it when somebody comes to your mind. You might be the hope that they're waiting for. So you make a commitment that you're gonna reach out. Some of you, you you need to send a text before I finish this message before this service concludes. You need to reach out and stop by or let them know you care about them. Let them know you've been praying for them and then get them the help they need. So here's the thing, talked about a tough topic. I I couldn't cover it all, but hopefully I give you a few tools. And now I wanna land with this. There are some of you, you've been wrestling with just, is my life valuable? And I talked about how God loves you Jesus came to earth to die on a cross, to rise from the dead in order to rescue you from sin and shame and guilt and to give you a new life through faith in him. And so here's how I want to conclude. Would you just close your eyes at each of our campuses? Would you close your eyes right now? If you have never made that commitment to say yes to Jesus, I am asking you to choose life, not just choosing to live longer in this life, but to choose forever life through faith in Jesus Christ. And if you're ready to make that commitment to saying yes to Jesus, to choosing forever life, can I encourage you just to raise your hand high and say, yeah, that's me. I'm making that commitment right now. Just like I said, I will live my life to the fullest. The the best way for you to live your life to the fullest is to say yes to Jesus. And so would you raise your hand high That's right, each of our campuses, would you raise your hand high and say, that's me right now. That's the commitment I'm making. And if you're making that commitment, I just wanna take a moment, I wanna pray over you. Jesus, thank you for those that are saying yes to you, that are making a commitment to living their life to the fullest, and the way we give, the way we experience that full life is receiving eternal life by believing in Jesus. Would you meet each of these individuals right now? Would you forgive them of sin? Would you give them hope? Would you let them know that you are their hope? That the greatest hope we can ever find is found through faith in Jesus. And now God, every single individual in this room, God, would you let them know that their life matters, their life has a future, that they have a hope? God, would you help us? to bring that hope to others that we love, that we care about, that we know personally, that are struggling with whether their life has hope. We're saying this now in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from LifeHouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.